I had absolute zero business skill, but what I actually had was desire, the will to learn everything and do whatever it takes to have success. What's shaking? This is Rick Jordan, and welcome back to the All In Podcast. My guest today, I'm really pumped about this because everyone knows how much I love fitness. Craig Schultz, how's it going, my man? Uh, absolutely excited to be here, Rick. I'm so pumped, too, because there's so many things that we can talk about that you're just an expert in. And, man, I, you know, I, I love it because I, I have your photo in front of me right here. They can see this on YouTube, right? The, this lovely you know dapper suit that you have going on which i wear on occasion too and here you are in a sweatshirt and i got an under armor jacket going on that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> absolutely this is the real real right so here's a question that before we dive into the real stuff do you like wearing a suit um look it's not really uh my favorite uh, uncomfortable i hate wearing ties more i don't mind oh, if i'm yes. wearing a suit jacket uh an open shirt it's not too bad uh but uh not really the suit man we are already best friends ties are something that i just cannot do all the time man i don't mind them when i absolutely have to but ties <laughs> are just something that's like why 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 strangle myself i don't feel like doing that yeah, absolutely. Um, I've presented all over the world in packed stadiums of 15,000 people sometimes, and I, I still don't wear a tie, so I try and keep it as casual as possible. Nice. You're my favorite new guy right now, <laughs> just because <laughs> we bonded now over anti-tiness. I like that. <laughs> so where are you at right now, my man? You're, I think you said you're in Melbourne, right, before the show started? Yeah, I'm uh, based in Melbourne. Um, well, so, good morning. Uh, girl, yeah, that's right. Early morning here. <laughs> that's awesome. What time is it there right now? Because it's 4 p.m. here. Uh, a bit after 8 a.m. Nice. Nice. That's not bad. It's not bad at all. Mm. So I, I've never been to Australia. What's some of the sites that I absolutely need to see? Uh, Australia is beautiful in so many different ways. It's uh, beaches. It's um, in Sydney Harbour. You've got the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the Opera House. So scenery is amazing. Um, if you like, uh, I guess, going snorkeling, the Great Barrier Reefs are highlights. Mm, um, yeah. And if you like sport, arts and culture, Melbourne's full of all three. Nice. I love that. So let's let's go into this because there's a phrase there's a sentence here the first sentence that was highlighted on your bio for for me is i'm an engineer who was fired by my boss dude <laughs> i feel <laughs> you because i was in that position like 12 years ago what what when was that what was going on around that because i'm sure we're going to bond over this yeah, look, I mean, I – well, actually, a little play on words there, I fired my boss. So, um, nice. <laughs> so at age 21, I'm a visionary who has always wanted to de uh, dictate my own future. And I went through the, the college or the university system, five years, got an engineering degree, two years in, trading time for money wasn't for me. So I fired my boss and followed my dreams and passions, which was the fitness industry. Nice. And that was at 21, right? That was a, you were really young when you did that. Yeah, absolutely. I had absolute zero business skills. Probably at 21, you have zero life, life skills. But what I actually had was desire, the will to learn everything and do whatever it takes to have success. 
That's perfect, man. And that that's the key too, right? Because I remember at 21, that's when I wanted to start my first business. And I did too. I, I really don't tell this story much ever when I was 21. And I, it was a web hosting business. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And it failed miserably, horrendously, right? Because no, no business or life experience whatsoever. But I knew that I knew that I knew that I wanted something in my life that had recurring income, recurring revenue. And that's really why I started it, a subscription-based type product, right? And fitness can kind of be that way. What, what did you get into fitness with? Was it a uh, personal training or was it, did you open a fitness center? Yeah. Yeah. I opened a fitness center and um, cut my teeth for about three years and got a good mentor and learn a lot about business off him because he was highly successful, which is one of my lessons that I always talk about is get a good mentor to teach you what you need to know. So you help you navigate through. But three years in, I just knew that I needed to be the expert in my niche. I was a multi-award winning trainer, one of the States of Australia's uh, fitness professional of the year. And when you're an entrepreneur, you want more. So from that point, I ended up opening five fitness clubs and helping a company franchise and set up 22 franchises. That's incredible, man. So you said you you were pretty much an award-winning fitness trainer, right? What, yes, what made you so the states. nice? <laughs> what made you so good? Um, I think it's just I'm always hungry to learn and grow and evolve. And, you know, I just think that the biggest income earners in every niche are the best in their niche. And, you know, the surgeons make more than general practitioners for a reason. They're, they just honed their craft a lot better and, um, you know, they earn a lot more because of that. And I just felt that if I want to be the biggest and best I could be, I need to be, you know, the, the needle in the haystack and stand out from the crowd. How'd you end up doing that? What was your niche? Um, Look, my niche in the fitness industry was I was working with corporate fitness, but also um, in in my first gym, my gym clients were, I guess, highly successful, semi-retired people that feared going to a gym. So they wanted that high service and I was able to do high service, high price because of that. Nice. You just hit like two key phrases that I absolutely love, high service and high price. You're talking about quality and you're talking about a level of income in those two statements right there. That's beautiful. And you can only really do that too when you have a niche. If you're too broad, you can't do that, right? Because then you're a commodity at that point and you have to go low price because you're trying to appeal to everybody. That was a hard lesson I had to learn last year, man, was the same thing. I mean, finding my niche and launching my mastermind and being a mentor myself, the the all-in mastermind for my industry, the IT industry, focusing on that rather than going broad was probably one of my best choices I've ever made. Mm, I totally agree with that statement. And, you know, it happens so often trying to be the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker just doesn't work. Yeah. There's another key thing that's important to you, too, is that you're – your niche and what you were talking on, you know, so when you found a mentor as well, anybody that you coach and train, the thing with you is that you've actually done it. You still do it, mm. you know, rather mm. than just like thinking up something in your mind and putting something like a course out. There's a lot of those people out there right now, right? They come mm. up with these ideas and then put them down on a piece of paper and they ne- never actually do it themselves. It's just like a yeah. curriculum and all of a sudden they're a mentor or they're a coach and they sell a program that they've never done. That's the difference, man. You did this. You said how many franchises? Twenty-two franchises. Uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, I helped uh, the company set up twenty-two franchises. I owned five myself, and um, yeah, that was a, a one big chapter of my uh, entrepreneurial twenty-year career. Um, but ended up selling out of that in about two thousand and fifteen, um, and yeah, 
I've just been building businesses online and coaching, mentoring, um, and doing all things, I guess, to help people have success. That's awesome because you've done it again, because you've actually done it. <laughs> I, uh, I'm curious about this man, because it, there's, um, you just because you went and did the franchise model, that means that you got past a met to me anyways, you got past a mental threshold. Because, and I'm not minimizing this, but I think of like the the best analogy maybe is like a pizza shop owner, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're going to have one pizza shop, you know, or one pizza restaurant, and you're the you're the cook, you, you develop this amazing recipe, right? And you're back there spinning the pizzas in the back or doing whatever it is, and you're thinking, man, how do I grow? And at some mm-hmm. point in time, if it's a restaurant, you only have a certain number of tables, right? Or if mm-hmm. it's a fitness center and it's your own time and you're the trainer, you're the trainer. You only have a certain number of hours in the day. You only have a certain number of machines in the fitness mm-hmm. center. You know, and at some point with that pizza owner, you have to say, you know what? I'm okay being the guy that's not in the kitchen anymore. I'm okay with actually teaching everybody else. But that's a mindset shift because then you start to get into quality and saying, oh, if I have somebody else making the pizzas or I have somebody mm-hmm. else actually training the clients. How is it going to be as good as me doing it myself? How do you get past that mental threshold to actually say, I'm going to open up 22 locations? Yeah, look, I mean, for me, that there was my second life lesson that I always teach people. I always say, get a good mentor. But the second thing I say, learn how to leverage time, money and relationships and you'll see how fast that you can grow. And my first mentor taught me about investing and leverage very early on. So my mind was already racing about uh, how to scale and grow. Um, And I knew that I only had so many hours in the day and I knew uh, if I was going to be 10 years in personal training, training it couldn't just be me because you know i've only got so much time and you know if as a personal trainer trading time for money is not going to make you rich so looking at looking at ways to uh leverage invest grow um and scale franchising is a, a really classic way to do that if you know what you're doing sure no doubt and the franchise model is an interesting one too because there's a lot of unique variables with that because it's not like you're opening 22 locations that are all yours now you have mm. to deal with personalities of different owners too and their wants and because their life goals I'm sure are different from your life goals. You know, so if mm. you're going to open 22 locations that are all owned by you, but now you're saying, you know what, I'm going to open 22 franchises and mm. that's going to involve almost like 22 different variations of me <laughs> as mm. the owner and now I'm almost entrusting my brand, my name to everybody mm. else. That's a huge undertaking, man. That's a, again, it's like a mental shift because now you have to have things in place to trust other people with your reputation. Yeah, look, I mean, that there probably, you know, is one of the greatest challenges I've faced in business and adversities is people. And I always used to say, you know, all the employees I had was not even 1% of all my gym members, but they used to occupy the most of my uh, my brain capacity and that, that would create my biggest challenges. So for me, I always used to go, I could make that franchise work with my DNA and my work ethic and my yeah. hustle. Why that person making that franchise work? And, you know, in the end, I come to a life cycle of my journey in that industry. And part of it was probably due to the frustration of, you know, of people. Um, so yeah, that's, that's certainly, a, it's a big challenge. People can be your biggest asset and your biggest headache too, can't they? 
Mm, absolutely. And yeah, I, I was lucky. I've had good, really good experiences um, where a, a number of my managers in gyms end up buying my gyms off me because we had a good nice. relationship and the business worked and we still have a good friendship today, you know, years on because it was just a fair tran- transaction. You know, I didn't ask for too much. I respected they'd been in the business for a long time helping me out and they deserve their opportunity. Um, so yeah, I, I but uh, uh, my bad, my worst mistake in one business was trusting too much in a person that cost me half a membership in a gym, and uh, wow. that that was really that took me eighteen months to recover from that as well. So you have your your highs and lows in that that space. Yeah, eighteen months financially or eighteen months emotionally or both. Both, because it was time. I had to actually physically go and leave the gym that I was, you know, really most aligned to and go and rebuild. And um, so it was time. I had to, you know, I had seven clients that had been with me for seven years just quit because of this person. I had personal trainers quit because of this person. It was just like it was in a really bad way. So um, it required my love and attention again. And, uh, yeah, rebuilt it up, found a good manager and sold it, and it worked really well. That's good, man. In the early days of that, if you don't mind me asking questions about this, because this is interesting, especially for those looking to build a business, because most that want to build a business, it's not going to be just them, right? And there, you have to, at least I feel anyways, I don't think it's a real business if it's just you. I think you have like a sole proprietorship, which is really the, the term for it. But if you want to build a company, right, an actual company, that involves more people than just yourself. And early on, did you see warning signs with this individual at all? Um, the story to that is it's, a, it's a, a big lesson so people can take something of this. My number one uh, part of my recruitment process was typically a process. I, you know, I did hire slow. I really felt the connection with the person. I, um, you know, I would get them to come and experience the product that we offered. Just to, it was a test really to see whether they saw their self in, in my culture and environment. And it was a process. Now that was eight years in and my the person I first employed was with me for eight years and at the time I was just about to go on my first overseas step out of the business experience for an eight-week period over, over to Europe and I was going to be proposing to my wife and four weeks out from leaving that uh, employee resigned. So I had four weeks to find someone oh, and wow. I recruited just off a resume. Uh, so I, I basically picked the most experienced person with a resume and they just didn't fit the culture. And it was, you know, that was a higher fast and I couldn't fire slow because I had eight weeks where I was overseas. So as soon as I got off the plane, I literally walked straight to the gym and fired them. But I was over, over in Europe every day getting emails from members that love me dearly and said, Craig, I just can't be here anymore well this guy's rude he's offensive um you know and and yeah it was a really bad learning experience yeah um to go through that's incredible man because i it i've been through experiences like that too and it hasn't been in like a higher level leadership position but it doesn't really matter to where the wrong person on your team can be toxic to everybody else that that surrounds you you know, and that you start to just have the whole morale being brought down by just one person who you think, even if it's not in a leadership position, it's maybe inconsequential. But really, it's like that that one, it's like the, the old Bible verse, right? A little yeast leavens an entire loaf, you know? It, it doesn't take much, man, 
for, for that toxicity to spread around. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I, I lost really good personal trainers too, people that were running their own business out of my business. And, yeah, it was, it was a really challenging situation. And I felt helpless and hopeless at the time because I was on the other side of the world. I was, you know, um, in a proposing to my now wife. And, yeah. you know, it was just, it just I just said, I'm just going to have to ride this out. And if I have to start again, I have to start again. Interesting. That's a, incredible. So you're overseas for, that's almost two months, man. I mean, eight weeks is yeah. two months. That's a long yeah. time. A lot can happen two months in a business. Yeah. You know, I yeah. Mean, it, just look at this year with the it, pandemic in businesses. I mean, that's <laughs> a lot can happen it, in just the first couple months of this thing. And it did happen in the first couple months of this thing. That's an incredible lesson, you know, and you were talking earlier, you know, when you're 21, you don't even really have that much life experience or business experience. It takes mm. going through things like this to really have it sink in. You know, and I've mm. been through the same thing because you always think, especially when it comes to people, it's like, oh, this one's going to be different. And I've noticed too, man, I share, I share your experience in this. When I've gone outside of the normal hiring process and the normal vetting process, that's usually when things go a little haywire and, and that person mm. doesn't work out because things were rushed. Man, I feel you. Yeah, I mean that's if if you're uh, just going into business or you're just about to go through change or growth, that's a really good lesson to learn um, from experience. Is to actually go and go through the process. Yeah. Don't rush any any steps. Yep, I see the hat you're wearing, man. I I, I love that one shot movement. I know that's your show from from what I know yeah. about you, but what's uh when I see that when I initially saw it, I, I was thinking, uh, have you seen Hamilton? The the show, nah. No, there's a song in that that I'm not throwing away my shot, you know, and that's something that I'll play to like get me pumped up, you know, because it's when something presents itself to me anyways, it's just awesome. I'm going after it. But what's the basis behind that, man? Because I mean, I see that and that's what it makes me think. But for you, what does it mean to you? Um, I actually just a couple of weeks ago, just published my first book called You've Got One Shot. And um, the backstory to that is it's um, my wife and I experienced a challenge in 2014 that changed me as an entrepreneur and a human being. Um, and that was my wife and I were just ready to have our first child and he was stillborn. So oh, he, he died. And uh, that experience there um, really rattled me quite considerably and I you know I, I went through the I guess the emotional trauma of that and I ended up uh, basically making the decision a lot of people go you know I, I can't yeah the world's terrible and bad but I, I used it as inspiration and I went on and built um, seven-figure businesses from then and uh, about two years ago someone wanted me to write a book about business and I said if I'm going to write a book, it's going to be about something meaningful to me. And I yeah. ended up bringing up that story and, and you've got one shot because I say, you know, my son didn't have a heartbeat, you know, we're not one, you're in the game. So what have you got to worry about? Make the most of your one shot at life. So I bought out uh, what I call the one shot movement, which is around inspiration and education. And I do have my own show, uh, interviewing people like yourself and um, yeah it's all about helping people understand that you know you, life is precious life's a journey go and fight yeah. for your dreams and your passions and purpose what's that so your book you've got one shot I know it's mm. like the story of the stolen heartbeat what does that mean because I don't have that's yeah. intriguing to me 
Yeah, so the stolen heartbeat's my son. His heartbeat was stolen and he didn't get his shot at life. And then I transition out into talking about really important life lessons like gratitude and, you know, how gratitude can help you perform in life. And, you know, generosity, I share the story of my first mentor and how I come, how that happened to me was just magical. And um, I talk about how ego can make you or break you and how relationships are critically important for your success. So they're not, business lessons they're just um chapters on really important things that can help you elevate and evolve into a you know a better leader person business person an entrepreneur that's awesome man how when did you release the book three weeks ago really that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) so it's brand new i didn't have that in here but like it sounded like it was something that's pretty relevant right now you know yeah Yeah, like it's three weeks yeah (laughs) that's fantastic because i I can't imagine what a more perfect message for this year, you know, because that's it's so fantastic because you look back at the past six months and there's so many suffering people. I mean, I'm not Mm. even talking like health wise, economically, everything else. I mean, I know Australia for the longest time even had some very, very strict lockdowns that were taking place. You know, it's like people's livelihoods were kind of ripped away from them, you know, whether it be by governments or the virus, whatever it is, but Mm. still, you know, even with those hardships, you know, you, you had a miscarriage. My wife and I went through the same thing. You know, I, I know exactly how you feel with that, but why should that ever stop you? Because you're, you're still here and it's a tragic experience. Why should a virus stop you? Why should a losing a job stop you? Why should a business failure stop you? You still are here with your one shot. You know, those mm. failures were not your one shot. Freaking life is your one shot, right? Mm. I, I love that's how you feel, right? <laughs> uh, absolutely. And for me, I had a, a really good plan in place. I, I typically spend 20 weeks a year overseas. So you think about 26 weeks over, overseas and I haven't been able to travel more than five kilometers um, from my house or three miles for the American guests, um, you know, for most of this year. And um, I didn't have the plans of what I was going to be doing now, but in the end, I end up just becoming resourceful with my time and I, I ended up launching an online course where I teach people the basic fundamentals of entrepreneurship. I've went from having one interview a week to interviewing five people a week and really just going, I can't control um, whether we're going to be flying again for the next year, what I can control is how I value my time. And that's really what I've been doing, getting on shows like yours and just becoming resourceful and um, trying to make the most of a circumstance that I don't have control over. But, um, you know, I just say, if you can create certainty in uncertain times, you'll be okay. That's awesome, man. There's a, I'm going to ask you a trick question, okay? All right. the, the fundamental <laughs> principles of entrepreneurship right, here's the trick question, right? What's the most important one? And really, I understand they're all important, but the question is really, because you have to do all of them. I get that. But what's the most important one to you? Like, what's the one to where it's like, oh man, this is it for me? Because I think it would be different for every entrepreneur too. In in regards to what, sorry? Just clarify. Yeah, your online course that you're talking about, because you're talking about the Uh, principles of entrepreneurship. You know, there's several of them, obviously, that I'm sure you go through. You know, what's one that stuck out for you? Because I'm sure everybody that buys your course, that goes through it, there's going to be one more than another that really, really resonates with them. 
Yeah, I think my first, I, I think my first module, which is about five, you know, sort of about forty minutes worth of stuff. But I really think working on yourself and your vision and your your work life path, like getting that sort of stuff really clear in your mind to help line you up and understand your values, what you stand for, what you love doing, what you don't like doing, and 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 really working that roadmap out first and then move then I move into what I call building foundations which is developing a world-class team putting your list of people together find you know try and get your list here's a really good tip a list build a list of people where you would know you'd have a thousand customers of whatever you're doing and whatever you're selling so you've got to be able if you can't sell a thousand things to people like you've got to really hone in and work on building a list and um you know, just just really basic foundations there. Then the the next module is about uh, you incorporated. People join people in business. People buy from people in business. So it's around working on that. And the last one is is around skills, um, which can be learned, life and practical skills and tactical skills. So it's a simplified course, really, for an entry level entrepreneur or a a person that's gone into business and then just plateaued and don't doesn't know why they can't propel forward. Yeah. You talked about the, at the beginning, you know, the figuring out the things that you like and that you don't like. What don't you like? <laughs> I don't really um, like spending time with people that think that the glass is half empty, not half full. So I really can't handle that type of conversation and can't be really around people like that. And and it's, there's a lot of that in this time. And um, that there is something that I really don't like doing. So when people join people, um, I don't sort of spend time with people that don't really align with my values. I hear you. And that could be something that separates those who, you know, call themselves an entrepreneur and those who just maybe are running a business, right? Because it, it's a, I see those as two different types of people and both of them are okay. You know, but at some point, and I think it's, it's kind of risen to the top a lot in awareness over the past couple of months during this pandemic, that those who went out and started a business, you know, and now they see themselves failing and they're like, you know, maybe this wasn't a good thing for me. Maybe it was, maybe I should just go work for somebody else, which is actually okay. Because man, those that have like an entrepreneurial mindset that never want to have all that pressure on their shoulders of being the person, that's an amazing, amazing individual that will run through walls for other entrepreneurs because they understand the mindset and everything. They just, they just really, really enjoy supporting the vision and being something a part of just part of something that's bigger than themselves. You know, and I think that's really important nowadays because it could be that, you know what, maybe it's not time to go out on your own. And this is sort of counterintuitive because every time, man, I'm motivational, like, go do it, go after your dream, go after your vision, right? But if that's something you don't like, you know, like the, it's half empty, the glass is half empty. And if you start a business, you go after your quote unquote dream and you always see the problems with it rather than seeing the reasons why you should push forward, maybe it's not the thing that you should do being out on your own. Yeah, to- I-, I totally agree with that statement. And I still say to people, though, that if you're pursuing a career, there's ways to get ahead than trading time for money. And and I always say become a to start off with, 101 is become a good saver, not spender. So if you've, if you've got a salary, save some of your salary, then use the saved money to invest into getting more um, money on money. So dividends on stocks or something like that or property investing and probably property investing for me has been my biggest home run in terms of wealth and what I've been able to build. I have 
you know, 11 houses, multi, multi million dollar property portfolio. But I started that 20 years ago, just chipping away, chipping away. So if you've got a job and a career, you can keep chipping away to still get ahead. So you can have the best of both worlds. But in regards to your question about the right type of person for business, there's a really good book called Rocket Fuel, oh, yeah. um, which talks it. about, yeah, yep. <laughs> which does talk about the entrepreneur visionary needing an integrator and more of that person to bring it all together. So you can be either or and still be okay, but the best combinations if you can match them both together. Right on. I feel you there. And I love it because I've got amazing integrators that are with me and I'm the visionary. I'm just out there, right? And those are the ones mm. that I can... The biggest thing that resonated with me in that book is that the visionary can absolutely go transfer into the world of the uh, of everybody else that's there, but you cannot stay there long because it almost like causes brain damage in the world of an integrator. You can do the job, yeah. but if you stay there long, it's like you feel closed in and, and limited, you know, and you have to get out almost like a bird and just fly free. So the integrators, though. I always say that they rule the world <laughs> because mm. they're really the ones that are making it happen. As the visionary, you're like, this is the direction the ship's going in, but everybody else mm. gets to figure out how to actually make it go that way. You know, you may have a thought yeah. about it as a visionary, but still, yeah, everyone looks at the visionary as the person that's up on the stage, that's, you know, has a podcast, that's doing everything mm. else, that's front and center. It's like, I've got all these other people that are amazing integrators. They're the ones that mm. really make things happen for me. Yeah, totally agree with that. And I think one of the biggest eye-openers for a new person reading that book is discovering what you actually are or whether you have oh, a combination yeah. of both. Yep. That's brilliant, man. I love that. So you're doing a lot of stuff. What's the outlook for the rest of the year and next year looking like for you? You excited? Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, for me at the moment, being living in Melbourne is, yeah, in a in a um, weird way, is like being in home detention. So I can't really do much. But uh, but things like this, I'm doing a lot of these, um, and I, I'm doing. I'm really trying to productize myself more and giving myself more options. And you know, there are two or three other mini courses that I will invest time into building as well. But um, my plan was to launch a book in May and then start doing tours and public speaking and everything. Yeah. Now I'm um, planning on that to be a 2021. I want to do that well. So I've had it, I've had the book for three weeks. I've had about 300 purchases in three weeks, but um, I, I wouldn't call myself launching the book at the moment. I'm just saying it's a lockdown launch, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. soft because I want to really put heart and soul into it. That's great. You wrote the book too, obviously, out of a very personal subject, you know, mm. something that, that I'm sure you had to be extremely vulnerable to in order to actually get everything down on paper. You know, dude, I commend you because that's breaking outside your comfort zone for sure. What was that process mm. like? I mean, it, it's almost like you're reliving it, right? Really, really interesting good and a great question. And it's one of the lessons that I learned through that experience. And it's funny because, you know, going through watching my wife deliver a, a nearly a full-term baby at, um, but I'd never in our eight-year relationship had ever shed a tear. I was that stoic. Uh, if there was a challenge or adversity, I would like wear it like a badge of honor and show no emotion. So I'd never shed a tear. And through that whole process, I just like shed like eight years of tears in one big foul swoop wow. type of thing. But it really, 
opened me up a lot more to be more vulnerable and people see vulnerability as a weakness, but it's actually a strength um, to be that person. And writing that book and I've got dozens and dozens of testimonials of chapter one where people say, you know, that is just raw and emotion there. And, you know, people text him on a daily basis saying, I could, you know, I've I cried through every first 50 pages type of thing. So it's uh, certainly made impact uh, early on, but, you know, I guess back to your question, uh, yeah, it was something that if I was going to do, I wanted to build world class and also um, showing the real deep and vulnerabilities of the process is pretty important. That's great. It's good to be able to use that too because people will resonate a lot more when you're vulnerable. And that this is mm. something for all the speakers out there that are listening and those who ever want to public speak or write a book as an author. It's way better and you will connect with so many more people when you actually are vulnerable like that. Uh, that's uh, I, I commend you, my man, because that's a tough experience. Knowing personally what that's like, mm. that's a tough experience to go through. And being mm. able to open up about that. You know, I, I had a mentor because, again, mentors are so important in your life. And you know, I wouldn't be where I am today without the mentors that I've had along the way. But he would always tell me, it's like the story that you absolutely don't want to tell is the one that you absolutely should tell. You know, mm. That's because it's so close to you that it's going to impact in a positive way everybody else, even if it was something that wrecked your life at the time. There will be people in whatever audience you have, podcast stage, whatever, that will resonate with that story and connect with everything you're saying because it's a vulnerable moment for you. Mm. Never be afraid to be vulnerable, man. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and just to add it to that too, like when I public speak, I don't often, I don't necessarily have a cookie cutter. I'm going to go through this, and then I'm just gonna fake cry at the end. You know, like it's, it's, you know, that's yeah. you can see that happen sometimes. For me, I tell the story when I feel it's right. Um, so, you know, it might only be once a year where I'm closing, and you know, the audience uh, that I'm speaking to, I just feel that they're an audience at a time that need to hear that type of story. So it's really just something that I will share in my kit bag if I feel that it's right and it, it is the audience that needs to hear this rather than just have a, you know, a 101 presentation where I'm going to, you know, close out with this big bang every single time. So that's, I think that's a skill and an art in its own right. Man, it's such a, it's such a compelling story to go through something like that. And I appreciate the vulnerability that you've had. And you talked a little bit about the fake crying too. You know, and <laughs> I've seen that with a lot of, that's one thing that really stuck out with me. I, I noticed that with stage speakers sometimes is that they'll go through that and it almost becomes like an act, right? Yeah. And it's a, there's some stories that I can tell when I speak from stage and the emotion that I show is absolutely genuine. Because I put myself into a state to where I'm almost like reliving that every single time I tell it. Because if I don't do that, it's not going to resonate with as many people. Because it means that I'm holding back a portion of myself. And whenever mm. you go up and you act and you do that fake cry as a speaker or as a podcast host or whatever, you're not going to impact as many people as you normally would if you're actually bringing them into the story with you in that mm. moment. You've experienced yeah. that, I'm sure, too, man. 
Yeah, look, I think it, I think that's a skill. Like, I think that there is, you know, as you evolve and grow, you can you can just read the play. You, you understand the audience. You understand um, where they're at, how engaged they are. If they really, you know, that they're at a stage on their journey that they need to hear that vulnerable story, and you just speak from the heart. That's that's the key to that. Like, I can nearly tell every single time when there's someone that's not authentically being vulnerable um so yeah every single time man i feel you so you're looking forward to next year what does 2021 bring for you uh, 2021 i hope i can get on a plane again because i'm, yes. I'm a, you know, one of my passions in life is to travel the world i've been to 120 different cities nice. um and this time last year i was in st petersburg russia um so that there is you know that this year is challenging my values from that point of view because, yeah, like I'm someone that is likes to roam the world free and and um, not being able to do that, not by choice, but by you just can't, is really impactful from that point of view. But, you know, it's, as, it's only a small thing. I'm just hoping I can get back to that next year. Yeah, no doubt. I feel you. I've been, I mean, domestically, I've been traveling all over the United States, which is a large country, of course. Yeah, and it's been interesting the past several months, too, when I've been filming a documentary. But it's, I have not been able to go overseas. I was supposed to be in Paris a month ago, and that was canceled, of course. You know, and that, of course, made me a little sad, too. But it is what it is this year. I want to be able to travel internationally again, too. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's just part of it, right? But man, I appreciate you and I'm excited. Everyone needs to pick up your book because I know me, I'm going to grab a copy too. And, you know, I might even go through it with my team because it's something that's near and dear to my heart only because I've been through it. I get it. And your perspective, I think, will even help me because it's still, no matter what it is, man, I mean, you still, even though you move past these tragedies in life, it's still something that's there, right? Because I know it it was a son for me too. And not having that dude around is something mm. that a lot, I, I mean, I think about him from time to time, you know, and yeah. it's just, what would life have been like with that guy? <laughs> you know, yeah, what would he be doing right now? You know, it, it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't have the answers to those questions, but I do know that it would be pretty cool to have him here. Yeah, mm. And it's something yeah. you move past, you can help other people with, but still it, it's, do you feel that I, I do? I know that do you feel that it's okay to still have that like a portion of grief inside of you for things like that in life? Yeah, I think one of the most important things is to grieve properly and not just move forward. Like anything, like grief's a really interesting um concept and it can present itself in so many different ways from you know marriage breakup to you lose your parents to your best friend dying to losing a child to you know you um, your best, you know, you leave a business like grief happens. You have to uh, really go through the process and do it properly, and not just dismiss and move on. Um, but like you said, I, um, you know, I think about him every day, and and in my book, I do just talk about that. Uh, I do what I do because I want his legacy to be carried forward. So I want um, his that experience to be, he, you know, a legacy that. Um, that you know, I carry forward because of that experience, which he he was a part of that experience for sure. So it's really cool to think too, because I mean, just for guys like you and I going through that, and this was a human being, a, a baby that had such a profound impact on our lives, and mm. still now because of that, 
that child, you know, that stillborn child is now impacting people worldwide because we're, yeah. we're, <laughs> that's an awesome concept to think about, isn't it? And that's where mm. the joy. So, of course, you think it's like uh, there's sadness, there's grief that comes with it. But then there's also joy, man. There's joy that comes into play from these memories, too, and being able to take who that person was, even for the brief amount of time that they were around us, and say, you know, this person's now going to impact the world because of what I'm doing. Part of that is in memory of that dude. Yes, exactly right. Summed it up perfectly. (laughs) That's awesome, man. Everybody needs to follow you, Craig Schultz, S-C-H-U-L-Z-E, on every platform, it looks like, and CraigSchultz.com. Your book's been out for three weeks. Where's it available? Everywhere? You can get it on Amazon. On Amazon, you can get it. Um, you've got one shot. Um, so, yeah, you can buy it off Amazon. It's probably the best way. If you live in Australia, you can just go to my website because it's cheaper shipping that way. Um, but, yeah, if you're anywhere else in the world, I know your guests uh, span across the world, probably best to get it on Amazon. And you can get it on Kindle as well, so ebook version too. Nice. That's awesome. I think Australia is uh, the number three country of all in here. So it's, it's beautiful, man. I, I love I love the country. I hope to visit there next year. That would be fantastic. Once everything opens back up, that would be great. Man, thank you for being on today. I appreciate you. No problem. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm out there doing this all the time, and I really want to share the message, and I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to letting me be on your show. You bet, my man. I'll take care now, okay? Thank you. See you, Craig. Hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. As always, you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message. Awesome, man. Thank you. I um, You started pulling on my heartstrings there, man, <laughs> with, with the story of it. It's, uh, yeah, no. it's only I can relate completely. Yeah.